Creative Connectors, a podcast for curious minds. My name's Vicky Keeler, and I'll be chatting to the makers and creators who aim to connect and inspire through the platform of festivals. We'll be delving into how they show up in the world, why they do what they do, their journey, inspiration, and everything in between. So sit back and enjoy the chat, because who knows where these conversations are going to go. And if this is your kind of podcast, please subscribe, follow, share with friends, and get involved and give some feedback. In today's episode, I'm going to be speaking to Suseri. She is a DJ who is originally from Japan and now resides in Australia. So thank you for coming on and having a chat. Hello, Vicky. This is Suseri. How are you? <laughs> thank you for coming on. I would love to start off with where your relationship with music all began. Okay. So um, my music journey has started back in 2001. Uh, I was living in Japan. I was 19 years old. So my friend invited me to go to that party. So the party was uh, happening in outside location, just one hour outside of my city, Nagoya, in Japan. And uh, I was really curious about the, uh, wow, party in outdoor. And uh, I couldn't mm. imagine how it like. So I was so excited uh, going to this party with maybe 20 other friends are coming. And yeah, so we are so excited. Okay, let's go drive in the car, jump in, you know, the car to drive one hour away from my city. It was uh, in that uh, forest, beautiful forest. Yeah. Yeah, right. And uh, yeah, so when I got there, that I experienced something uh, I would never expected. And uh, it it was a life-changing experience, changed my life forever since that day. So um, music was uh, Goatrans music. Uh, only a few DJs playing lo- such a long set. So I remember one DJ was playing 14 hours DJ set by himself. Yeah, so it was uh, music that I never heard before in my life. And uh, it was just, uh, I become so free dancing in that forest with maybe a thousand people, over a thousand people was there. And uh, I become friends with so many people dancing all night to morning. And... uh, yeah, so after this party, I come back to my house. I live with, I used to live with parents. And then, yeah, I told my parents how the party was uh, amazing. Yeah, so when, when I was listening to one of that uh, main, main guy, this German DJ, Shiba York, uh, was playing, I got uh, some amazing uh, um, vision, right, come to my head. Mm. And uh, when I was dancing, I I remember just before that the sunrise. Um, so I 
got that feeling that、uh, I can be a DJ. I really want to be a DJ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's the whole, you know, one night, but I like unforgettable experience that、um, pushed me. Okay,、uh, what I'm gonna do to begin with is tell my parents, 19 years old girl, so I told the parents, <laughs> I w a n t to be a DJ. <laughs> yeah, so my father was very. Interesting guy. He's a, such a special, very unique person, and、uh, he was creator, like creating by hand.、Mm-hmm. And、uh, he was letting me to play some instruments, including piano, from my young age. So I、uh, listened with a、um, lot of classical music and uh, uh, jazz and some rock music. He was actually.、Um, Kids to listen when I grow up. And、uh, so I brought this opportunity that,、uh, so I told my parents, so I had some really interesting music. It's called、uh, trance music. And、uh, yeah, I really want to be a DJ. So can you please help me? And、uh, my dad said, okay, what do you need? I said, ah,、uh, I think, you know, player, record player, and、uh, mixer, speaker, amplifier, that's what I need. I figured it out.、Yep. And then he said,、uh, okay, I can get it. And he got everything for me within one week. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> like, that's just, I just love how much it's like one event, you've got this vision. You share that with your dad, and he's just like your biggest supporter. And he's like, okay, how do I make this happen? I'm going to make it happen for you. And then within a week, you're like set up with all、yeah. the gear. Such a great、yes. story. It was so impressive because he, he never really、um, that much encouraging for me to do starting something new because I was the kid, like, I start something, but stop after one week or two, and then. Ne- never like really continue to do things like、uh, anything else. But、mm. I don't know if he felt something very special for this time, I think. Yeah. Your passion obviously shone through when you came back from、yeah. that party. You had the party glow. I had, I had. <laughs> the party glow and the party anti- the party glow and the party motivation. That's what it is, <laughs> I think. Totally agree. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, was that,、um, was that kind of vinyl records back then that you started、mm-hmm. out with? Yep.、Um, yes. I started with、uh, spinning some vinyls. And、uh, yeah, he also got some vinyls from an、uh, off friend or whoever. And、uh, I got a range of、uh, different vinyls. And、uh, also, soon after that, I started collecting vinyls、uh, by working in a record shop. In my city.、Mm. Yep. And、uh, I was in the、uh, progressive house、uh, section helping、uh, my boss. And、uh, boss is a really well known DJ in my city. That experience was maybe one year or less, but、uh, it was such a great opportunity to get influenced by 
range of different uh, electronic music. Yeah, mm. yeah. And at that time, you know, this was the first time you'd ever gone to a party like that. Was that something that was happening a lot in Japan or was it something that was quite new? Like, do you have knowledge of how accessible those sorts of events or that sort of music was at that time? Yes. Or were you just like right place, right time, and it was like a, a kind of on the cusp of that music becoming a lot more accessible? Yeah, that's right. Um, I think uh, when I started the party was a bit earlier, like nightclubs, uh, very accessible for young people like me. And uh, that was um, kind of a every weekend regular party at the nightclub. But um, one party I went to in the bush was not not for everyone, like very much kind of operated as a more secretly and uh, not such a, you know, um, a promotion like what we have now. Mm. It's more like a, you know, word of mouth. Like yeah, underground. very underground. Yeah. And uh, so I was already in that party scene in my city, started from when I was maybe high school student. And then, so just getting to know so many people. And then I got some opportunity by my friend, Mars. Yeah. And uh, so that time was in a Japanese underground music scene was start growing massively and uh, mm. some parties are uh, secret but they, this particular event I went to was only organizers expected to, to have 300 people but they ended up got 1,200 people I had after that so <laughs> that shows how much yeah, um, new people are interested into going to party like yeah new music coming from overseas and uh, so that was at the maybe go, going to the peak of uh, Japanese underground uh, scene to grow um, I think up until 2006, 2006 I was in Japan mm-hmm. so from 2001 to 2006 the five years I experienced in Japan was Absolutely amazing. It just every season party was growing bigger and uh, yeah, so many international musicians are coming to Japan to play. I saw, I was following uh, a lot of uh, musicians, even different cities. I traveled to here, experience their music. And uh, yeah, every week, yeah. Yeah, yeah. amazing. And so with you having that experience and then getting your own kind of decks and vinyl, what was the next step for you? You were obviously working in a record store. Did you know quite quickly the sort of music that you wanted to be playing? Were you kind of really inspired by that that DJ, you know, who you'd seen and that event? And you're like, that's the music for me? Or... Did you go down a bit of a path of discovery, like playing with different music that maybe your dad had kind of exposed mm-hmm. you to? Yes, I was very curious cat, and uh, I was. Love <laughs> 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 it. Yes, I wanted to ex- experiment a lot of different music, different BPM, and uh, yeah, so I 
started from uh, trance music and uh, into more techno, and then there's some between tech trance and uh, progressive house to electro. I call it electro, but back in the day called the uh, um, electronic body music EBM, and uh, um, after that, yeah. So I mix and match and what really resonate uh, with me most to create my own favorite genre. So that's create my solid style. I'm I'm still playing this style. It's called. It's very mixed, mixed uh, um, genre, but um, I was really inspired by 80s music, new waves, um, synth wave, I would say. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that's my kind of soul music, and it's always I'm inspired yes. by, and uh, those vocals, and I like a lot of cheesy music, but sometimes I cannot play <laughs> <laughs> oh, I reckon everybody, everyone loves a bit of cheesy music every now and again. It's good for the soul. Good for soul, yes, yes, melodies and uh, yeah, cheesiness sometimes, yeah, gets me like really <laughs> excited and yeah. So the influential music was, I would say, trance music and the progressive house, techno, electro. Yeah, not so much house music. Mm. Yeah, okay. You know, was there any women who were DJs back then that were kind of accessible and that you were listening to because it's a big thing a lot of the time there are many industries not just you know thinking about the music industry yeah there's many industries which have been very male driven throughout history and there's definitely an amazing surge, I think um in this day and age of female DJs but was there anybody for you to take inspiration from? Because it's quite a big thing to go out and be like, hey, I'm going to do this when you've not necessarily got someone like you to mm. look at for inspiration or, yeah. Yeah, I actually lucky to have some really inspiring female DJs in Japan and overseas. And I found, uh, um, so that was like a early 2000. So... Uh, mm-hmm. I'm gonna give you ne- uh, the name. Um, so uh, one was uh, DJ Rike and uh, Super Koji and uh, Hideo Black Moon. So those three names uh, are like my admire DJs, Japanese women DJs. Back in those days, mm-hmm. they are playing big festivals. And so unique, and uh, yeah, so I was just uh, really into the what they do and how how they become, you know, to get to out to that stage. And so I was really um, inspired by them. And uh, overseas musicians are like a Miss Kitten, Ellen Alien, mm-hmm. and uh, um, Monica Cruz. So those names are like I was so inspired nice. by. Yeah. <laughs> Were you completely like all about just self-teaching yourself to DJ or did you have people who were acting as mentors or helping you learn the ropes? Like how did you go about that process? Okay, so back in the day, there was not such a learning material on the internet. So um, I was just 
kind of door knocking to all the DJ in my <laughs> local area, <laughs> like friendships, and they they were like really amazing DJs. I got inspired by. Um, so I just always find the cool DJs to ask the music they're playing. Okay, who is this artist? Who is this DJ? Collecting music to asking by uh, their set, pick up some music, and then, um, yeah, also ask them, um, I would like to learn how to mixing. Can you please teach me? I did that for some DJs in my um, in city, local DJs. Yeah. So how did you then go from learning to DJ having this newfound like obsession and passion for music and being able to tap into different individuals and and taking inspiration from different places. How did that pave your path to coming to Australia and pursuing this dream of a DJ? Okay, wow. So that was another like really amazing opportunity Um, I got was 2004. I was helping my friend's gig in my city, and uh, he just came back from uh, Melbourne. He was working mm. holiday, so he was a party organizer. So he came back with such a bubbly, you know, positive uh, energy brought uh, from Australia. He saw the eclipse, and uh, he made, made a lot of friends in Melbourne party scene. So he brought uh, one of the, his friends. He played uh, at the party I went to, and uh, he he was a rainbow serpent organizer, DJ Sugar. His name was uh, Felix. And uh, yeah, I met Felix. Um, he told me Melbourne's music scene is getting bigger and stronger, and his festival was getting, like, become a couple thousand people event, he said, and then come come over to Melbourne. Come experience the, my festival, join us. And so, yeah, so I, I felt, it's touched me. And, uh, well, I want to study English. I couldn't speak English, almost nothing. And, yeah, so, but I understood what he's saying. Okay. I want to go overseas to <laughs> expand my <laughs> territory. <laughs> yeah, I want to play in overseas, maybe. So I, it was not like a strongly I was thinking, more like, a, wow, sounds great. So that's something that I can look forward to. And then, yeah, so I decided to go to Melbourne. Um, but that since then, like 2004, to actually, I got to Melbourne in 2007. So in the between time, was it was not easy um, because I lost my father in cancer, and uh, so my Sorry to hear that. yeah, so my father was really, really encouraging me to be a musician, DJ. So, um, so that loss was just turned into some pretty magic opportunity that I got so much energy from my dad to um, bring to come to Australia. So, yeah, I my head was just, okay, 
life is not forever. I understand by the experience of loss of my father. Okay, I'm not scared to challenge something bigger and yeah, I want to make a living in overseas, study English, I want to play music in overseas. So that was become so solid and uh, mm. yeah, I brought this such a positive energy to come to Melbourne. 2007 in November. Amazing. It's so great that, yeah, you just, it oozes out of you. Just You've got a vision, you've got a dream, you know where you want to go, and you just do everything in your power to make it happen. Like, it's just really, it's just really inspiring, and it's just like a really beautiful fearlessness as well that I feel like you represent, you know, just go after your dreams, chase them, do whatever it takes and believe in yourself that you can make it happen. Mm -hmm. And it's really beautiful that your dad was, I guess, like at the very beginning of your journey, just backed you and encouraged you every step of the way, which is, yeah, really amazing. Mm. Um, And so how was that then coming to a country where, you know, you didn't necessarily speak English as your first language did you, you'd met a few people from parties and then come over. So how did you then, you know, make your way into the Melbourne scene and, you know, start meeting people and kind of hitting the scene and being able to play festivals here? Okay, so that was first time when I arrived in Australia. I had almost no one I knew, only except one one person, um, I met him in Japan. He's an Australian. And uh, yeah, so started from going to party with him. That was, first party I went to was Asko after party in December 2007. So that was, yeah, I met, so I met uh, Already, I met few people at the party, even without speaking English. And uh, it was um, beginning of summer. It was very festive. Um, I got invited to so many parties, including some really amazing house parties. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> as you know, Melbourne house parties and uh, some secret parties are so cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I went to pop into so many parties and uh, I met some really cool people after just after yeah, I arrived to Melbourne, like one month after, I was already in the group of friends and uh, they are just about to create some magic and beginning of uh, creating parties, regular parties in Melbourne. So I became uh, a part of the crew called the DXM. And uh, I met um, my ex-partner. I was married with him after 10 months after I arrived in Australia. So since then, the, my life has just become roller coaster of so many opportunities getting to know so many people in such a short amount of time was intense, um, along with studying English at school. (laughs) I couldn't speak English, so 
for the first one year was just yeah my friend connected with music pretty much and then they helped me so much to push me to play their party first party was okay so sorry, you play opening set that was a test okay I did okay. <laughs> Second party was okay. You play closing set. Okay, I did my best. Bigger, bigger test. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and then I got the opportunity to play main time. Maybe third party, which is never happened in my country in Japan, as mm-hmm. in hierarchy was so strong. Yeah, right. Yes. So, and I was so amazed by, wow, I get uh, such a great opportunity for such a short amount of time. How? I don't know. They like me. My set was good, but uh, never happened in Japan. So I felt like uh, Melbourne is a place that all the people who are really um, motivated, passionate, um, driven by the, you know, big passion and dream. So they really support people who does great. And, yeah, so I was just, um, yeah, following my passion. And uh, every gig I run into, I try to play the best set. And then, so that's become, you know, connect one to the next gigs. And then connected to the festival is something very special opportunity as well. Amazing. And mm. so what was the first festival that you ended up playing in Melbourne? That was, or Australia, I should say. Yes. That was EarthCore 2008. Um, the gig opportunity was just out of Southern. Like, I got... Uh, by meeting the organiser, his name is Spiro... He unfortunately mm-hmm. passed away um, mm. a few years ago. But um, so I met him through my crew, my partner, and then I had my CD on my in my hand, and then I gave him after I introduced myself. I'm from Japan, so I would love to play at your festival. Nice to meet you, kind of. So it's like a business card. It was a CD back yeah. in the day. Yeah. <laughs> the old school, the old school ah, business yes. card. Here's my exactly. CD. <laughs> yeah. I didn't expect a response from getting response from him so quickly, but um, I never forget when I was working in that garlic farm in Mildura in a cold winter. I wanted to get second working holiday visa. And then I got the call. And that said, I can play at our school, which is in November. And so I needed to work until October, just before our school. And then, really? <laughs> Seriously? I, I don't know anybody. Nobody knows me. And, uh, wow. So that magic happened, actually, to me. So, yeah, that's really... You know, um, that was like, it was such a hard job working in the garlic shed. Um, (laughs) That kept me going through that time. Yeah. So that was 
amazing experience played in that Asuko, that was main stage actor as well. Yeah. Yeah. So straight in there, just yeah, straight in, hitting the main stage. What the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) I never forget. Yeah. What What was that feeling like? Then did you just go? Yeah, this is for me. I'm in the right place. I'm doing the right thing. I've just got to keep going. Network with people. Keep playing great sets and. Maybe just keep sharing CDs too. <laughs> yeah, I did keep sharing CDs. Yeah, well, it was yeah just such a like um, um, fearless approach I was doing back in the day. Um, yeah, up, up until somehow I got um, yeah change like a not it was not a. Um, smooth ride all the way until now yeah mm-hmm. but the beginning was like really I was fearless and uh, yeah like everything I wanted to do was become reality kind of yeah drive I had yeah and from moving from Japan to Australia did you see your like taste in music or the music that you wanted to play did that change at all like being in a different country and having different influences around you or did it still remain kind of where it was um where you'd found your kind of heartland um in japan um okay so um when i was in japan as my identity and personality was very odd (laughs) Not uh, really merged into hierarchy, yeah, um, community as not much much into Japanese society anyway. So that's why so I found that to get away from there to yeah wanted to see you know look back Japan by different perspective of uh, yeah I'm in Australia so and then it was a test of okay so I play music that uh, this is what I believe this is my you know sound that Mm. resonates from my within kind of Um, so this music was also pretty different to Australian standard <laughs> music scene. So, okay, I I gave up. Okay, this is me. So I'm pretty unique. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's so, a good thing. That's yeah. always a good thing. Be yeah. unique. Yeah, be unique. So that's my life theme. Yeah, be unique <laughs> myself. But, um, yeah, Australia was more accepted for those unique people. And, uh, yeah, I actually... Um, was really enjoying playing with uh, my crew. All the DJ in my, within my crew was there, like really amazing people, DJs, and uh, inspired me a lot. So we created uh, some new genre called psychedelic techno. So now we call Psytech, which is in mm-hmm. between Psytrance and techno. And uh, so I was really into this finding uh, being between music to play and uh, ex- explore the new genre with what uh, I can 
express myself within with him.、Mm. I played、uh, some set at Strawberry Fields. It was like quite new music for the scene. I never forget. It was just so, so much fun. Very experimenting, playing yeah, some.、Nice. Yeah.、Mm. And is that, you know, in terms of that experimentation and, and where. You've sort of taken your music.、Mm. Is that something that you continue to do? Do you always look to, you know, maintain that sort of level of curiosity and experiment when it comes to different types of sets that you might be playing at festivals and gigs and stuff like that? Yes.、Um, I always、um, very much experimenting、uh, with the music that I play.、It、depends on the time and.、Uh, um, You know, stage, different stage, and、uh, even weather. So,、mm. yeah,、um, of course, that's a good DJ kind of read the atmosphere to create the,、um, you know,、um, stage with such a flexibility. But I'm not、uh, that flexible, but、um, I prepare set、um, beforehand. And、uh, I sometimes talk i n g to organizers that,、uh, okay, so I'm working on this kind of music,、uh, creating this kind of、uh, set、uh, for maybe I would like to play afternoon to early evening kind of、mm-hmm. set slot, it's possible. So I'm actually pretty、uh, actively like,、uh, communicating with that、uh, um, organizer that、uh, I can play the most、uh, you know, best set.、Uh, That I can prepare for. Yeah, I think actually you're right. Like a lot of the time, the time of day does make such a difference on the type of set that you're experiencing because, you know,、mm-hmm. festivals are a big, one big journey and everyone's、yeah. at different levels at different parts of the day. And, you know,、yeah. it's essentially you're the storytellers a lot of the time, help, helping to craft that journey that individuals go on. and Whether it's the different emotions, whether they want to kind of have a bit more of a restful or、mm-hmm. like slower paced dance or something that's building up.、Um, so, yeah, I think it's, yeah, it's super interesting to hear how specific and、um, I guess forthcoming you are in terms of communicating to festival organizers when you want to play and then making sure that you're crafting. Mm-hmm. Sounds that you feel are going to best connect with an audience at that time? Yes. Yep, definitely. I would like to be part of、uh, creating that moment that the、uh, people、um, go on the journey and uh,、mm. having uh,、um, such an unforgettable unfor- experience、uh, by listening to music. So that's how I yeah,、um, always be at the festival to get the most out, out of it from the journey.、Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's always a journey. Yeah.、Um, you mentioned obviously you had a pretty amazing run when you came to Melbourne. Like you said, you were just hitting all your dreams, whatever you kind of almost wanted to achieve, you were managing to do it. And almost like serendipity was bringing you the opportunities that you desired.、Mm-hmm. What have been some of the challenges that you faced along the way? You know, coming to a new country and Not speaking English as your first language, definitely、mm-hmm. going to be a challenge. But have there been any other yeah, challenges that you've faced along the way that you've had big learnings from? Okay. 
Um, so that I started feeling uh, a bit pressured and uh, um, nervousness uh, hit mm-hmm. me after maybe three or four years. I, be, I started playing Melbourne and every gig I booked, maybe back in the day, I was playing quite actively, like almost every week. I had a gig and uh, doesn't matter if it's small gig or free party or bigger festival. I started to have a, a stage fright kind of a, mm. um, feeling that's and become more intense and intense. And uh, I usually don't have much um, ups and downs in emotionally in my private life, but uh, only comes to this play music. Um, I remember before 2015, that was really the uh, worst time for me that I just couldn't, couldn't, couldn't deal with it. And uh, um, so much pressure, unnecessary pressure on myself. And mm-hmm. uh, I wanted to please other people, I mean, crowd. And I have to play a perfect set because they're <laughs> expecting, kind of just creating this in my head. So that was just didn't know how to deal with it and where it come from. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, I just uh, couldn't play anymore. 2015 at Maitreya, yeah, in March, I played the stage closing set for Rocket Stage. And I walked away. I told everyone, somehow, I cannot play anymore. So I just, uh, yeah, stopped playing for a while. Then see what happened. And uh, yeah, two years, two years, I couldn't play at any parties. (laughs) Until 2017. And, Mm. And so with that, like, obviously music had been your life to that point. So for you to get to the point where you can't, you don't want to play, you don't want to be at like any gig, that's a huge shift and change in your life. Mm. How did you navigate that? Because that would have been, you're obviously feeling very challenged before in the emotions and the, like, shall we say, anxiety that you were feeling. Mm. Yeah, how did you get to that point of like, okay, no, I just need to stop? Mm. And then what was that next step? How did you process that, move with it? Did you understand what had brought it around, like what had brought up these emotions? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I actually took me a while to figure it out. So this, why this is happening to myself. Um so I actually really dig into dig deep into this um, um, to my past experience that um, one huge experience I- impacted for this uh, crash was I was bullied at the school when I was really little and uh, I just uh, really, you know, shamed to, to telling people, so, you know, it was, um, the kids was pretty nasty, so I have a very unusual name, and uh, I was 
bit boyish kind of girl. Um, mm-hmm. So the, all the boys are like really hate me. And then, so I actually crushed my identity and uh, confidence that time. So since then, so I started to grow some things inside. So that's okay. I want to do something amazing and uh, I want to, you know, tell them I'm great by doing something great, greater than they did to me. Like, mm. so I think that I guess this is the biggest things that are coming to, you know, many years later. So cause for my anxiety, pressure because I had okay I need to be succeed and uh, I want to bring this you know successful vision of myself back to you know people show them so Mm. this was becoming more egoistic part of my you know um, self and uh, that I need to let go of it and then so my process that I, you know, two years of being not playing was, I was really letting go of this emotion I carried from the past. And uh, yeah, so I ended up, uh, I started to realize that uh, there's no need to play music to please anyone. So I just play music for myself. And uh, mm. so that, that simple as I can say like this, but uh, it, it was just such a long process to, yeah, um, understand, understand and acknowledge, and uh, yeah, so um, to myself, but, you it's know. It's big work. Yeah, <laughs> it was big work. Like it's, yeah, it mm. is big work, and it's often, you know, the, those shadow parts of ourselves that we can keep masked for a mm-hmm. really long time. Yeah. And, you know, it's really commendable to hear you, you know, you lent into it, you didn't fight it. It was clearly impacting your health and your enjoyment of your passion. And it takes a lot to really sit there and look at, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, why, why are you doing something? What's causing these emotions? And a lot of people, you know, they wouldn't want to let go of their dream. Mm-hmm. They might be scared about, you know, losing the kind of rhythm and the drive and all the kind of rings that they were hitting. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's amazing to, yeah, hear the the work that you've done. And also I think it's just really great to share these conversations because many people, you know, might assume, oh, someone's a performer. They don't suffer with stage fright or anxiety and it's like these things can be real challenges for different individuals it doesn't matter who you are we all have things that we have to overcome yeah totally agree yeah so I just couldn't play so that's that was like a yeah really um suffered me a lot and I couldn't figure it out until yeah I reached the point okay this is the answer. So I actually got the answer. So that was, you know, play music for myself and just joy. <laughs> just do it for you. Yeah. Do it for you. Do it for no one else. No one else. 
<laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'm very happy. I'm intrigued. What was the first bit of music that you played once you'd realized, okay, I've processed this emotion and I still want to play music? That's obviously something that is, you know, deeply connected to your soul and, and your calling. What was the first bit of music that you played? <laughs> Can you remember? Yes. Yes, yes. Yeah. Can I tell you? Okay, so there's, um, well, it's a massive change that uh, happened um, this during the break. Um, my housemate was playing blasting sidelines. He's amazing DJ, sidelines DJ. And then I was just listening his music and... Uh, Okay, wow, I want to play sidelines. So I started collecting some sidelines with, yeah, uh, to play with him at, just for fun at home. So, mm. and then, yeah, I was just listening sidelines and uh, completely different to I used to play. And then I, okay, I feel like I want to, really want to play sidelines. I'm trying to get a gig. <laughs> and I actually got a gig <laughs> to play. So come back with Sightrans 2017. Yeah. So you hit the Sightrans and you're back in the groove of music. And was it just back to normal, hitting the gigs, playing festivals, and playing, a, I guess, a bit of a mix between obviously Sightrans and then. Yeah, where your kind of like historic love of music came from. Mm. In terms of then, yeah, where you want to take your career moving forward and what the future vision is. Mm -hmm. You're obviously a, a woman who is all about, I've got this vision, I've got this dream, I'm just making it happen and you seem to make it happen. So what's the what's the future goal? What are the, yeah, what are the dreams that you want to go after now? Go after now? Okay, um... So I, I'm super lucky enough to play music in this country now. Um, yeah, you know, for the last over the decade, and uh, um, the one of the, the biggest milestone I did in the decade was to play some of the major festivals in Australia, including. Eclipse Festival, Rainbow Serpent, Strawberry Fields, and so on. And then, um, yeah, I wanted to play back in my country, Japan. Uh, mm. So that was a pretty huge opportunity I got to play in 2019. I uh, played nine gigs in Japan. Uh, I did a tour. So that was... Um, amazing experience. So then after that, I start putting my dream uh, into the vision board. So write down that the all overseas festival I want to play, such as Burning Man, Boom Festival, Universal Parallelo, Ozora. So yeah, stuff like that. So I just wanted to, yeah, get there on the stage to play. Then pandemic happened. The big C. Mm. Yep. So now 
my plan is all kind of on yeah it's like on hold but um, I'm still working on online opportunity to connect to people like you giving me this opportunity to um, share my story so that's really amazing opportunity and uh, I'm just uh, yeah grateful to yeah play music I still can from my home mm. yeah uploading some uplifting tunes for lockdown life or <laughs> <laughs> well we definitely need lots of those whilst we're still in lockdown yeah um so what what has that meant for you then you know like like you've said things are maybe a little bit on hold but you can still do things to work towards your dream mm-hmm. what has covid looked like for you have you been leaning lots into the music have you been doing other things yeah what's what's that what's what have you filled your time with um yeah um I mean, my, my lockdown life has has been ups and downs yeah we are in lockdown for over 200 days but um mm. yeah so I actually um some downs are like uh, just rest and chill but um some yeah ups like sometime like I get um invited by some organizers uh, locally internationally to um, joining the you know um, online streaming or um, mm-hmm. Yeah, making myself busy enough to drive, keep driving myself with some project I'm working on. And uh, so talking to a few people at the moment for upcoming mixes, and I'm working on two mix for the, over the next, next couple of weeks. So keep me busy. Yeah, mm. I guess just... Um, yeah, best way is like uh, yeah, get uh, some project happening and make it happen. So just work on the drawings. So that's that's it. How it work for myself, I guess. Yep, you gotta mm. have those little goals, and I'm a firm believer in it. Like, I mean, the podcast was my creative outlet during lockdown. So yeah. it's like I need to feel like I'm achieving something or doing something or creating something. And I like to paint as well, but Wonderful. this felt like another kind of a new skill to learn. I like learning new things. Mm-hmm. Um, would there be any like top tips or pieces of advice that you would offer to anybody who, yeah, might be an aspiring DJ whether they're in Australia or overseas or just, yeah, thinking about how they can navigate the world of kind of performance and music, what would be your key pieces of advice? Um, Okay, my key pieces of advice is to... um, So first first things that um, all tools that we have to uh, promote... uh, ourselves, uh, even in internationally. So we have got this amazing tool like SNS or um, communicating with people who overseas, who in overseas. So there's heaps of, uh, um, you know, live streaming or like online gig opportunities. So mm-hmm. I guess to you practice enough and then make mix that you want to expose 
uh, I'm trying to find that opportunity for myself as well. Um, so if you have some, even just one step out to expose yourself to 100 people, to 1,000 people, to 10,000 people. So it's a, yeah, during this COVID time, it's very difficult to people think to, um, for the DJ, but actually it's a chance for um, many people, I believe. Mm. And so, yeah, so just trying to, exp- you know, expose expose your work internationally. So that's, I think, uh, really a big achievement uh, to connecting with uh, people, um, with music, your passion. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a great way to look at things as well because it, it, it is really challenging. There's no getting away from it. A lot of people have been out of work during covid in the festival and arts industry and and obviously beyond. Mm. But with every challenge that comes to us, whether that's a pandemic or whatever it might be, there is always opportunity. And it's about how you can find that opportunity. And like you say, we're more digitally connected than ever before. Mm. And that doesn't mean that you can't still reach out to people mm. and try to connect with new people and share music or, you know, I, I I actually think Australia's a really amazing place. Like I felt it moving from the UK to Australia, you know, just reaching out to people and saying like, previously it would be like, hey, can we get a coffee or a tea mm. in person and have a chat? Whereas now it's like reach out to people and you know, ask their opinions, ask their advice. Like, you know, it doesn't always have to be a formal sort of mentor. Mm-hmm. Um, it can just be reaching out to have a have a bit of a chat or learn some insights because through sharing and through those connections, that's how we, I think, get stronger, we learn. And subsequently, especially if you're thinking about the music side of things, that's where you can, yeah, build, build connections for when we do open up mm-hmm. and hopefully maybe open yourself up to some of the more digital opportunities mm-hmm. to share music. Yeah, I totally agree. So as you're from uh, yeah, England, yeah, I'm from Japan, but yeah, Australia has been pretty much, you know, giving us so much like a open opportunity for someone those who are really passionate about. So mm. I think uh, in that, uh, yeah, digital um Communication also like, also like you know, definitely there is a opportunity that if you um, such a passionate about what you do, and uh, yeah, it's a different approach for sure. But um, I believe yes, where there is a will, where there is a way. So that's my favorite, yeah, word sentence. So. In different circumstances, different opportunity will come. Yeah, so mm. mm-hmm. in the right uh, opportunity will be coming to the right person, I believe. So, but it's it's not easy to keep motivating at the moment. So I'm just struggling uh, to, to keep uh, motivation. That's mm-hmm. definitely it's not easy. Um, 
Yeah, so I just need to de- make a deadline to work on a project. That's who I am. Yeah. Mm. It's like you said earlier, you know, there's definite ebbs and flows to lockdowns and no one's going to be happy all the time. That's just not feasible really in life. It's about <laughs> being able to, and I've had this conversation quite a bit actually recently with people, it's about being able to catch yourself when you start to feel you're dipping or you're feeling like lower energy, like acknowledge it allow yourself to rest and then be able to look and understand what are the things that help you feel like brighter, lighter, puts a smile on your face. It could be dancing around the living room. (laughs) It could be journaling. It could be treating yourself to some nice food or, Mm -hmm. you know, everybody has these different things, but it's really important to be able to just catch yourself and observe where your emotions are at for the day and acknowledge what they are and then what you need to help move through it. That's right. Um, but be okay to sit in it as well, but just don't sit in it for too long. Wow, that's totally that's right. that's when you get stuck in a rut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, wow, so um, I think also like uh, not uh, feeling guilty about sometimes if you're not productive and uh, mm. yeah so I just stop uh, you know feeling guilty about uh, I'm having a rest because I'm not in a head space, good head space today I just want to chill so those days are okay and uh, mm. yeah so don't push too much on yourself and uh, I guess like yeah, be nice to ourselves. <laughs> it's like really be important. Be nice to ourselves mm. and try and be nice to others as well. Yes, yes. That's an important thing mm. as well. I think we're in a very, we're in a very polarizing time right mm. now where there's a lot of um, like aggression. I feel, uh, shall we say, online and just very polarizing opinions. Yeah. And it's just important to be kind to yourself and try and be kind to others and listen to others and not try and, yeah, not try and push things onto people mm-hmm. because that's where the conflict comes and, yeah. and I don't think anyone feels nice during conflict. Yes, it's a really difficult time for uh, some people, like uh, mm. having a strong opinion and I'm not really want want to into the conversation sometimes and uh, like uh, I feel like uh, people are kind of dividing into yeah two different different sides yes yes (laughs) so hopefully hopefully music can maybe bring us all together again I hope so (laughs) exactly Mm. maybe that should be your next like set Mm. What's going to bring everyone together? That sounds good. <laughs> like a, you know, set of that kind of, yeah. The reset. Bring, reset. Reset. The reset. Yeah, that's a great <laughs> one. Maybe, maybe. So uh, I... You can have that You can have that one for free. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> oh. Amazing. Well, is there anything else that you would love to share with the world whilst you've got the mic, like... I think it's fantastic to hear the journey that you have been on and thank you for sharing 
so openly and authentically about, yeah, the trials, the tribulations, the highs, the lows. Like, I think it's important for us to share these journeys and these feelings and these experiences that we have because we can all learn from them. Yes. But is there anything that you would like to close out on or any shout outs or anything that you want to say whilst you've got the mic? Okay. So, um, yeah, first of all, thank you very much for that opportunity uh, today to talk about uh, all the things that uh, I shared as um, such a great experience for me and uh, I really just so much gratitude for this whole musical journey. Yeah, I just uh, um, really hope everybody's coping well during the lockdown and uh, let's follow our dream until the day we meet again. Thank you so much. That is a good one to end on. Follow your dreams, guys. <laughs> you know, go after them. Don't let anything hold you back. I think you're a prime example for everybody, you know, on how that can, how that can manifest. You can manifest your dreams. You can make them happen just believe and go after them so thank you so much for your time today and yeah sharing your journey it is very much appreciated thank you very much vicky that's a wrap it was great (laughs) (laughs) thanks for tuning into creative connectors hopefully you enjoyed the chat If so, please subscribe, share with friends, support the community and tune into the next one.